Hello and welcome to this latest episode of It's Cyber Up North with me, Phil Jackman, back in the chair after Danielle stepped in for me last time. Well, I don't know if she stepped in for me, but she was she did a fantastic job. And um, today we're going to talk about cyber insurance. And I'm joined by Kimberly Graham, I think it is now from Sage, and uh, John Beatty from Team Insured. Um, Kimberly, how are you? Really, really well, thank you, Phil. How are you? Yeah, really, really good. So it's uh, it's like the old team back again. It is the back to the the Phil and Kimberly days. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are you up to these days? <laughs> Um, yes, I do have a, a new role. Um, I work in um, global security at Sage, um, the Northeast um, Accountants Accountancy Software Business. I work in the um, security engagement and awareness team. Um, so we're all about reducing human risk. Um, so obviously in the cybersecurity industry, um, we have the technical um, technical controls, but also human factors, huge part of um, cybersecurity incidents and risk. So that's where I come in with um, cybersecurity training and communications between teams. So yes, it's a great role. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. And uh, fresh from Empower, were you there last week? Yes, I was. I was there Um helping support Sage, also running a workshop with some of the girls. Um, again, it was an incredible event. Um, so much energy and, yeah, really interesting. And lovely to see lots of local businesses getting involved and supporting as well. So looking forward to next year's. Yeah, so I uh, went from 315 girls to 1,100 or something. So you're going to have to have 2,500 next time, and it's going to be a bit of a, oh, a, yes. a trump for you. <laughs> I, think, I don't think you can get any bigger, can it? I think you get 52,000 people in uh, St. James's Park, so that's your, that's your limit, I think. Okay, so <laughs> thanks very much, Kimberly, for, for joining us. And uh, John, John Payne from Chief Insured, how are you? Um, I'm good. Thanks, Phil. Uh, uh, how are you? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, great, great. Do you want to tell us a bit about your role there with that company? Um, I'm the MD of uh, Chief Insured, uh, who are an independent insurance broker based in Newcastle. Um, we deal with um, uh, businesses locally um, over my, um, most sectors, construction, technology, professional firms. Uh, we also advise uh, charities and non-profit organisations on insurance and risk. Um, one of the uh, insurance uh, solutions we um, advise clients on is cyber and digital risk, um, which I'll talk about um, later. Um, so yeah, that's that's all about us, um, Chief Insured and, and myself. Excellent, excellent. So I think it was Kimberly, you suggested this this topic for us, and it's something that's always fascinated me. We've had a, a number of events. And so little background, why are you interested in this? Well, I just think it's a fascinating subject. I feel like we all know about insurance because most of us, um, either as a homeowner or car driver, have to have some sort of insurance, so interact with it. But I feel like um, cybersecurity insurance is spoken about um, with quite like muffled tones or um, I don't really think anyone knows that, that deeply how it works, especially um, you hear lots about the costs of involved and imagine um, only certain size companies could afford to have cyber security insurance. Like, obviously, I'd love to hear from you, John, what you think. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a fascinating subject that isn't really spoken about and is actually very probably quite an important part, especially with the rise in 
um, different types of attacks and ransomware. Um, yeah, so that's why I really wanted to hear from what John said from having him at a previous event. Excellent. So that's very much in line with your role of uh, mitigating risk. And uh, So we have an expert on board in John. And uh, so, John, how does cyber insurance work? Well, I think um, the the main thing to stress, and I think the, the, this is the the sort of easy thing to to understand, is that cyber insurance differs from conventional covers and insurance covers because a lot of the um, product is a service. Essentially, what you are paying for is a response service. So. Um, Conventional insurance, you would have a, a flood or something, you would get a contract around, you would get an estimate, the insurance company would approve the estimate, but it's time critical. So essentially, um, when it comes to cybersecurity, it's time critical, needs to be responded to. And what happens with the insurance is um, you ring a helpline and there'll be somebody at the end of that helpline who'll be coordinating response. You say, look, I've had a, a data breach. Um, what do I do about it? That guy then appoints an IT specialist, whether that's a forensic IT specialist or whether it's a conventional IT specialist, to try and get you back up and running. They will also generally have some form of legal input because there potentially will be a data breach. Um, so the ICO will be notified um, and any data subjects who have been compromised. There also potentially will be PR. So it's all about sort of project management. That's sort of the main part of the cover. Behind that, you have got some conventional insurance coverages, things like business interruption, if you're selling things online and your system's down. Um, and also protection, legal protection against um, data subjects taking action against you and the ICO taking action against you. But the most important thing to stress is the service element. It's there as a product service to help businesses sort of recover from a cyber incident. Okay, so is that sort of yeah, that, that that's up my eyes a bit because it is that is different to to traditional insurance if that's that's the yes. word. Um, so these businesses that are there to repair your system to recover your systems are they uh, contracted through the insurance company or are they or can you use the existing companies that businesses will use? They are. Uh, you can use your existing company, but the insurer. Um, likes to have control and uh, if for example they, they tend to use I mean, I'll just give sort of the major American uh, insurers will use lawyers to coordinate it okay because generally there will be a legal element to the claim because the data may be compromised so they will they will need ICE, the ICO notified potentially they will need data subjects potentially notified. They will also potentially need to look at things like uh, credit monitoring, uh, identity theft risk, all these things which can come about as a result of an incident. And what will happen is the, 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 the legal um, appointed representative will appoint a firm of IT um, an IT firm to come in and get you back up and running. There can be an agreement um, and there can be a dialogue um, where you can use your own IT people. But generally, I think the insurer likes to have control exactly as to, as to how this has all been uh, dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose there's a, there's a, a little question uh, 
running around my head at the moment. I'm thinking, well, would you want to go back to the company that had kind of got you in this mess in the first place? And you think, uh, you know, if, if you're working with an, uh, an IT provider and you get compromised, then you might need to certainly think about that the business that you're working with. But also perhaps if you continue to work with them, you need to get them involved in the solution as well. So I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, there's a dialogue, but I think I think the main thing to stress, it's to do with um, dealing with the matter in a timely um you know getting getting on the gra- getting on the ground very very quickly that's why it's it it's really the service element is 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 the thing to stress um it's important to uh to get somebody on board very very quickly um to look at i mean things like ransomware for example the insurers do get criticized um but they will pay a ransom if it's going to get rid of the problem at some stage. Um, now, that hasn't been challenged yet by any legal authority, but that is allowed. Um, but again, that's something where they will employ certain sort of ransomware specialists to actually buy Bitcoin and pay. <laughs> it's, 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 it is quite interesting as to how many different facets these uh, inc- incidents can sort of come to come into play, you know. Um, oh yeah, so that's very that's very different, man. I was oh, just, yes, just going to ask you, are you any the wiser? No, I am actually. Um, I feel like this is building on what John spoke about at a previous event we, we were at. Um, yeah, because I think there can be a bit of a misconception that um, cybersecurity insurance is quite similar to, like I say, comparing to home or car insurance, where it's like there to pay pay the ransomware or pay just to replace the devices that, that have been destroyed possibly. Um, but definitely the service side, um, I think it's good that you've emphasised that. Um, I've heard a lot of incident response companies or even um, comms companies um, working with insurance companies like yourself, like you say, because to provide that service and get to get people back up and running as quick as possible excellent so are there different types of cover then john i mean is that third party fire and theft um, that kind of thing? oh yeah obviously I, I, i've stressed i've stressed on the incident response but obviously there are other forms of cover in there um which are more like conventional insurance so things like business interruption so if um your devices are encrypted by the by the cyber criminal, etc. Um, your your website's down. Any loss of revenue during that period you're down is covered as like a conventional sort of cover. So you 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 were getting indemnified for the money that was lost. Um, then in in addition to that, you have the third party data uh, liability protection, which is um, to to actually pay the legal costs and defend actions by data subjects, but also the ICO um, actions as well. So that's sort of a legal liability section to the cover. In addition to that, there are options to add generally to add on what we would term conventional crime covers, which is to do with um, uh, CEO impersonation fraud, um, social engineering, um, invoice transfer fraud, these things where um, you know you've been duped into paying things uh, as a result of cyber criminals somehow uh, sending an email or intercept money or suppliers' emails. Uh, so those those are generally added onto the cyber policy as a separate section, but they tend to have lower limits because conventionally they've been in the crime insurance side, but but they're they are available as well because 
Um, generally, businesses see that as a cyber risk, whereas insurance companies tend to see cyber risks more to do with actual uh, hacker attack and um, security breach. And actually, un unauthorized access into your systems, as opposed to, you know, we've changed our bank account, please send us this. That, that is a crime risk. You can add it onto the policy, but generally, this, the cyber is more to do with data breach, cyber security breach. Yeah, so the figures that I've seen, it's anywhere between a third and two thirds of crime is now, now has a, an online element as sort of cyber related. So it's, it's a massive. So just coming back to the cyber security insurance market, presumably it's growing. Yeah. It's, it's massive. Um, uh, $13 billion uh, US dollars uh, in premium uh, last year, I think. Um, it's what I think trends-wise, it, it, the market got um, what we term where it was a harder market in the last two years, generally because a lot of claims came through, high-level ransomware claims, um, a lot in the States, big numbers, um, and that sort of drove the prices up, um, mainly in the corporate sector. Um, now, we've found in 2023, even though the claims are still coming through, um, that things have stabilized a bit in the cyber market. Um, this, this what we termed from insurance point of view is, is more capacity, which means that insurers are able to write more business because they can lay more of the risk off for somebody else. Um, that's come in. But also um, there's been sort of some of your conventional insurers like of Aviva have come into the market for SME, specifically SME. And I think SME is still seen as a lower risk area, even though potentially they won't have a sophisticated um, risk management, cybersecurity management um, systems in place. Nevertheless, um, they are arguably uh, on as targeted as the big firms. Um, you can argue with some, you know, that some of the bigger firms potentially are targeted because they know they've got cyber insurance and therefore they will get the ransom paid. Um, but generally, as I say, that that's a development. SME is still seen, dare I say, as still seen as attractive business from an insurance point of view. Corporate less so because um, they're more targeted. However, uh, they have better systems in place. Okay, so that's uh, that's interesting. And the figure of 13 billion uh, US dollars is a big number. So at that point, I think we should have, uh, have a short break and we'll come back in a few minutes. Cyber North is the cybersecurity cluster for the northeast of England. We're spearheading the growth of a thriving cybersecurity ecosystem in the region by creating opportunities to bring together the community, encourage progressive collaboration, and to help establish the region as a centre of excellence for the cybersecurity sector. Our cluster, Cyber North, is open to any organisation or individual working in the cybersecurity sector across the northeast of England. This is your community, so get involved. To find out more, visit us at www.cybernorth.biz or drop us a line at hello at cybernorth.biz. Hello, you're listening to me, Phil Jackman, at this episode of It's Cyber Up North uh, with Kimberly Graham, I can't must get used to saying that, from Sage, and John uh, Beatty from Cheviot Insured. Uh, we're talking about uh, cyber insurance, I meant to say, I think this is the 18th it's Cyber North we've recorded. So that's great. Kimberly, we're going to start with you because I think you've got a story about uh, GitHub conversations and people misplacing their policies. 
Yes, um, there's um, a famous GitHub repository. We can share it in the the, the notes for the the podcast. That um, is a, is um, downloaded um, recordings of um, conversations between ransomware gangs and the um, the the professionals that are negotiating with them. And there's a few examples where. Um, the ransomware gang have um, set a, an amount to be paid and the companies come back saying, no, we definitely can't afford to pay that. It, that would bankrupt us or that's out of our league. And the ransomware gang have come back saying, well, actually, as part of the breach, we were looking around your network. We actually read your cyber insurance policy. So we actually know what you're covered for. Um, so that therefore, we, this is how much we're going to charge you to decrypt everything. So I think uh, a top tip I've heard in the industry is, um, store your cyber insurance policy offline so that if you are breached, the people who breach you can't then read it to know what you're insured for. Well, the perhaps, so, bit of a tip there. Perhaps store one online, which has a lot fewer notes than the one that you're... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a great story. Thank you very much. And we'll put that into the notes for the, the podcast. But uh, John, should all businesses have cyber security insurance? Um. Every every business should consider it. I think it's obviously um, an, a, a continuing issue. Um, it's not going away. Um, so ransomware threats. I mean, there's been a lot of stats which um, have come out lately about you know the amount of ransomware attacks, the number of companies hit. Um, this morning, I think um, one of the insurers was actually on about small businesses and said that um, one in five. Um, small businesses, their research had actually had a cyber incident in the last 12 months and only 17% have actually bought the insurance cover, only 17%, that's UK, because I think in the UK we are behind the states with, pick, with picking up on this sort of their risk. Yes, in the corporate sphere, it's, ex, it's an expected cover, it goes in the risk management sorry, the risk register, um, and larger organisations will have the cover, but smaller organisations are lagging behind. But yes, it is something that all businesses should consider. I talked to my clients, um, not all of them take it in mind, but I've talked to them, you know, at renewal, and it's, it's, on the, it's on the agenda, and it's something which uh, companies uh, should definitely seriously consider. So companies or do individuals take out cyber insurance as well? I think individuals is less so really because, you know, I, I think on some of the household, you know, I don't, on some household policies, for example, uh, some of the larger, higher net worth sort of the, the more expensive ones will include an element of cyber cover in there. Uh, but I don't think it's specifically... It's more really geared towards businesses because businesses tend to be the ones that's going to lose out more from a revenue point of view. You know, that's it. It, it is more of a, a business sort of risk, which is what we specialise in. You know, so okay. So, so insurance is about mitigating risk, presumably. And so, what can businesses do mm. to improve their chance of cover? So, by reducing their risk, what 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 advice? Yeah, I mean. Most most insurers will expect an element. Well, they will expect an element of a, a good element, a reasonable basic element of cyber uh, security management in place with the organisation. That will be a prerequisite of cover. Okay, um, for small organisations, it 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 is it it's fairly basic stuff. Okay, um, so for small organisations, it it really is something probably in line with what you would. Uh, 
what would be covered under the cyber essentials um, measures by the NESC. So things like just you know patch management on vulnerabilities, um, uh, data backups, um, antivirus kept up to date, firewalls, and the, the other one which has come which has come in and I think it is part of cyber essentials now is uh, multi-factor authentication for remote access to systems. Insurers expect that to be in place. And it'll potentially either be a policy condition or it will be asked at the inception. If you've got those things in place, then generally as a smaller business, you will get cover and you'll get a price. So that's for smaller. For large organizations, there's a bit more drilling down. So a lot of around things like privileged um, user access remote you know obviously we said about mfa and uh, what kimberly was talking about before um staff education because it's about um the human element and that's generally where most of the claims come from so it's educating the staff and making sure that they're aware of the risks and they don't um they, they are vigilant when they get emails and that sort of thing then you get into things like endpoint detection systems i think really what which again for larger organizations insurers will actually the insurers will actually assist with these things when it comes to cyber insurance they'll actually they will provide that um service because it mitigates their risk as well so sometimes you will get complimentary online staff training you will potentially get some vulnerability scanning measures which have come in which insurers for obviously for the, the small organizations that tend to be um more of a vanilla offering premium um expect you to do this uh, but on the larger organizations, the insurers will get a bit more involved um i think i think that sort of covers covers most of it um it's really the risk mitigation is the most important thing before you look at insurance. And that's right up your street, Kimberly, I think, yeah. <laughs> it is. I was going to say, at a previous place I worked, we worked with, uh, we were an MSSP that worked with small, medium sized businesses. And a lot of us, a lot of people, companies came to us because they said, as part of um, getting their cyber insurance, they had to, um, like you say, have those fundamentals in place, meet the cyber essentials or cyber essentials plus. Um, standards. They had to um, show that they were doing some sort of monitoring and alerting detection of their networks or endpoints. So, like you say, genuine like fundamentals, um, security awareness for their um, for the uh, staff and all the colleagues. Um, yeah, those really solid fundamentals were very key to have in place before you could even get to being able to purchase cyber insurance. Excellent. So, um, John, you've been insured. You've been hacked. What do you do? <laughs> I, I think, um, as I say, hopefully you've got the insurance element, which is, you know, that, that I think if, if, if something's happened, hopefully you've got the insurance. We've talked about the service element and the, if, if that's what, uh, what, what you want to touch on. Um, but clearly, if something has happened, it's all about um, monitoring going forward and post-incident analysis which then leads that you would then say well what the insurance company are interested it's a bit like if you have efire in a factory then the insurance company after it happens they'll pay the claim hopefully 
and they will get you back up and running. But they will then send the man in the van and just come round and have a look around and say, well, what you've done to prevent this happening again. Mm-hmm. So I think that it, it's all about risk mitigation going forward. Um, say we talked about the insurance and how that would respond um, really by just using various specialists as part of a service. But I think the fundamental thing, I guess, is just making sure that it doesn't happen again yeah, yeah. and then convincing an insurance company that you are a good risk going forward and then, you know, and that you've, 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 you've looked at what you've done. Um, I was just looking at stuff uh, recently, um, well, in advance of this, as to where claims where claims have come from um, and uh, and how they've arrived. And it's, there was generally some trends with organisations that had had claims and they all seemed to, and it was all about poor management, poor management of, of uh, privilege access, okay? Mm-hmm. Too many administrator accounts, um, uh, n- you know, not actually enforcing the MFA just stuff which is basic patch management vulnerabilities not having a robust past patch management so as long as you've got these things in place then the insurance hopefully will come along um and deal with the matter if if, if it happens but if you don't do that then you leave yourselves open and if you have an incident and you want to get insurance again yeah, absolutely. So I think it. you need to take a deep breath and uh, put the kettle on and uh, before you <laughs> before you do anything. But uh, so, John, where can you go for more information? Um, well, I guess um, as I say, the, the the main thing as Kimley mentioned is 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 risk management, and uh, you know if you're a smaller organisation. Um, then there's lots of good stuff on the NASC website. Um, the ABI, Association of British Insurers, does have a website which explains about cyber insurance, what it covers. Um, there's a lot of good stuff online. Um, and also, obviously, um, you can talk to me. We're quite happy to uh, uh, to have a chat as well about uh, about you know local firms and, and helping them out with cyber insurance. So... Um, there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, it's interesting. It's a development. It's it's still it's still changing. It's still it's still cha- the offerings are changing. There's there's some insurers now in being a little bit more clever with how they underwrite. They're actually assessing people beforehand. You don't have to fill forms in, but they'll assess you. But that then helps to to mitigate your loss going forward. Because they say, well, this organisation, yes, will insure you, but you need to do X, Y, Z. And within the offering for that particular insurance product will include um, threat, threat intelligence, real-time monitoring during during the policy period. Um, but then you've obviously got the conventional stuff that we talked about as well on top of that. So, okay. so yeah. So there's plenty of places to go for. So any uh, final words of wisdom from you, Kimberly? Have you, you're much wiser now. Oh, I'm much wiser. So this is a great cyber insurance 101 discussion i feel much more educated thank you john okay well i'm gonna to have to draw it uh, to a conclusion there we're running out of time as always you could go on and talk about these things forever so thank you very much john and thank you very much kimberly and uh, if i don't see anybody before happy christmas and, and oh, merry christmas and a happy new year we've got some really really exciting plans in cyber north for uh, 2024 and no doubt we'll talk about them through this podcast thank you very much thanks thank Al. you That was great. Thank you very much. I'm really going to have to drop off. You've been listening to It's Cyber North.
If you wish to find out more about the work that we do in our community, go to www.cybernorth.biz. Remember, this is your community. Be part of it. This has been a Cyber North production. <laughs>